My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, <laughs> but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses? She said, the pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. she was talking about. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. Oh, come on. We got to do better than that. Merry Christmas. All right. Okay. How many of you had a little bit of a busy day? Anyone? Just, okay. So here's what we're going to do. Everyone take a deep breath. Exhale. Now turn to the person next to you and say, we made it. We're here. We're here. We made it. Right? It's amazing how exhausting this season can be. And uh, we want to welcome you. Uh, Thanks for making time to join us on this Christmas Eve. I haven't had a chance to meet you. My name is Pastor Richie. I get to be the lead pastor here at the well. And uh, we have a wonderful tradition that uh, we're praying that tonight is just going to be a special night for you. You know, there's so much going on in the world Maybe a lot going on in your life. And sometimes uh, what we really need is just to pause. Like like he said in that video, play the pauses. Well, sometimes in life we need a pause. Amen. And sometimes Christmas Eve, even in all the busyness of getting here, can be the pause. And it can be a time for us to really regroup and refocus. And that's our heart tonight, is not just to kind of go through another Christmas Eve service because that's what we're supposed to do. No, this, this matters. This matters to us. This matters, hopefully, to you. Uh, welcome to everyone joining us live stream. 
And maybe if you're going to watch this tomorrow, if it's Christmas morning, Merry Christmas to you if you're watching this tomorrow morning. Uh, but we're glad you're here. And we really want you to, to really be present, to, to enjoy the evening, um, and to maybe sing some songs. Maybe you haven't sung in a while. I don't know. Um, but really just to take a deep breath and really re- remember the reason for the season. Uh, Pastor Randy's going to bring the message tonight, and I'm excited about that. Um, but let's pray. And let's give the, the evening to the Lord and ask him to bless this wonderful time of celebration. So, Father, thank you for the wonderful privilege we have to gather. And I know there's a lot going on. And, uh, Father, we just give this Christmas Eve service to you on the front end. Thank you for everyone that made time to be here, that are joining us on, online right now. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we get to celebrate his birth in this way, in this place. So we give this evening to you. Thank you for those that have traveled from some distance to be here. Um, Lord, we just uh, just are thankful and blessed. So we give this night to you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing some Christmas carols. As you're standing, find someone around you. Put a smile on your face and say, hey, Merry Christmas. So find someone around you. to the world, the Lord is come, earth receive her King, let every heart prepare Him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing, joy to the world, the Savior reigns, let men their songs employ while fields and floods rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy repeat the sounding joy repeat repeat the sounding joy he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glory of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his love angels we have heard on high sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply joyous strains Gloria in excelsis Deo Gloria in excelsis Deo But the angels sing, come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria in excelsis Deo, Gloria. 
tradition here for the month of December where we light candles on the uh, Advent uh, candle here and uh, tonight we conclude it and uh, we're going to have the Pettit family. If you guys want to come on up and uh, light our final candle for Advent. Good evening and Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Tonight we conclude our celebration of Advent. Uh, the word Advent is from a Latin word meaning coming or arrival. And for the focus of these past four weeks, uh, it's been the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. On the first Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of love. On the second Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of hope. Next, we lit the candle of peace, and this past Sunday, we lit the candle of joy. Tonight, we light the Christ candle, which reminds us that Jesus is the reason for the season, because he was sent to save us from our sins, and he is Emmanuel, God with us. Tonight's scripture reading is from Matthew 1, 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
Great, thank you guys. This past Tuesday, we had the really the joy and the privilege to uh, do a Christmas Eve service chapel down at Teen Challenge, just down the road there, right off Casita Springs, and and we did a song there that we're just about to do. It's called "Mary, Did You Know?" And before we sang it, I shared with the I shared with the ladies there. You know, if you don't know the the context or the historical nature of of the birth of Christ. You know, many believe that Mary was actually a teenager when she gave birth to Jesus. Maybe some believe she might have been 13 or 14 in the context of the whole story. And this song, it's a really powerful song because it says, Mary, did you know? And if you think about it, there was a lot that Mary didn't know. In fact, there was a lot that Mary had to really just put her faith in. You know, she received this supernatural message. She supernaturally conceives Jesus. And as a teenage girl, she didn't know how it was going to play out. She had to just completely trust. Just had to completely trust. And I want to encourage you tonight, here or maybe online, maybe right now there's something in your life going on and you don't know how it's going to play out. And maybe for you an encouragement this Christmas Eve, trust. Trust. Just like Mary, Mary, like, you know, this is, this is, my life got flipped upside down. I'm trying to, I'm reeling right now. I'm trying to figure it out. And all I have to cling on to now is the word of God and this message. And maybe for some here tonight in the craziness of the world and your life, you just don't know how it's going to play out. But you do know that there's a God who loves you. Amen. See, that's, that's what I love. The, the song is Mary, Did You Know? And on Christmas Eve, the birth of Jesus, what, what do we know? God loves us. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. That's what Christmas is about, is God's love. So maybe you don't know how it's going to play out tonight. Maybe you don't know what the future holds, but tonight I want to encourage you. What you do know is that God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son. That's what you do know. That's what you know, okay? So we're going to sing this song, and, and again, maybe there's something going on in your life and you don't know. And maybe this song will be an encouragement to you. Know that God loves you. And maybe you just got to let it play out. Because God is good. And all the time. Amen. Soon deliver 
Randy brings the message and, and focuses us on the meaning of Christmas through your word. Lord, speak to him. And uh, we just look forward again to continuing to celebrate the birth of Jesus together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and welcome to Christmas Eve. It is an honor and a privilege to stand here at this pulpit and give the Christmas message. And now that the fan has been turned on, it's even more joyous. <laughs> Moving air. <clears throat> right on. The Advent reading tonight spoke of the verses that we'll look at tonight in part. The music has spoken in part to the, the, what, the message tonight. Because it's the truth. It's God's truth. Um, the verses naturally will be on the screen. If you brought the word with you, tablet devices, good old-fashioned parchment, you can read along. Well, we're going to break those down and what it meant, Joseph and Mary, why they were chosen, what they endured, what this message was. In the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26, 26 through 35, Beginning in chapter 26, it starts now in the sixth month. So I'll pause there. This is referring to the sixth month of Mary's kin, Elizabeth's pregnancy with John the Baptist. It's not the month of June. Now in this sixth month, the angel Gabriel, this is a high-ranking angel for sure. There's only two angels in scripture noted by name, Gabriel and Michael. So this is pretty high-end. Um, in verse 26, it continues, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. So Galilee is a rural area. Nazareth is just a little hick town. Nothing of, of note, really out of the way and nothing really. In verse 27, it continues, To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So Jewish... Betrothal was, a bind, was as binding as modern marriage. This betrothal process took up to a, as long as a year in time. A divorce was actually necessary 
to terminate the betrothal. And the uh, betrothed couple were regarded legally as husband and wife, although physical union had not yet taken place. So we've studied before the Jewish wedding process where fathers get together, they, they, they put this all together. They, there's actually an exchange, there's actually a fee paid by the, by the woman's, I'm sorry, by the, by the man's family to the woman's family, or maybe it's vice versa. Be right, there's the fee paid. Nonetheless, this process then starts a year where they really seldom see each other in this process. One thing that we don't know in these scriptures is where in the betrothal process Mary and Joseph are. We don't know at this point. Verse 28, and having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. This portrays Mary as the beneficiary of divine grace, not as a distributor of grace. She's receiving it from the Lord. Verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This is the same thing that Gabriel had said to Zacharias in the verses that precede this. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will, have, will be no end. So God knows Mary's heart. This isn't a surprise. Uh, she will receive this in obedience, the messenger, what the messenger discloses. Gabriel states, you will, you shall, and he, Jesus, will, regarding conceiving in your womb, bring forth a son, call his name Jesus, his greatness, called son of the highest, have the throne of David, and that his reign and kingdom would have no end. There's a lot to unpack in there. He mentioned a lot. Why does Mary know this? Because Mary is devout to God. She studies God's word. She knows the scripture. She knows she's from the line of David. She knows that some woman from the line of David will bear the Messiah. She's read the prophecies. She understands. Verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? So Mary understood that the angel was speaking of an immediate conception. This is going to happen. And she said, and she and Joseph were still in the midst of this long betrothal or engagement period before the actual wedding and consummation. Beginning or end of that betrothal period, we don't know. We don't know if they were just betrothed last week or if it's going to follow through as the end, near the wedding date. So her question was born out of wonder, not doubt or disbelief, like Zacharias. So the angel didn't reprimand her as he had done Zacharias, because she was not questioning, she was wondering. This is an interesting time. It must have been terrifying, yet honorable for her. She's heard the story, she knows that someone from her family lineages, the line of David, is going to bear the Messiah. 
an angel, a messenger from God, Gabriel, has come to Mary and has told her, you're the one. You've found favor with God. Verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. For over a period of 1,500 years, the Old Testament was written by many individuals, all inspired by God. There are more than 300 Old Testament prophecies detailing Jesus' coming, over 300, all of which came true exactly as predicted during Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Mary knew all of this to date, what it asked. Just as every one of us, Mary needed a Savior. The song, the Savior came to, she delivered him so that he could deliver her. She was conceived, born, and lived a life just like the rest of us, conceived in sin, a sinner who needs a Savior. Jesus came to save her as well. Mary was in the upper room in Acts, receiving the Holy Spirit as one of the 120 of the day of Pentecost. This life that she led up to this point was glorifying to God. God knew her heart. God chose her. It was no mystery that, that uh, she and Joseph came together for the divine purpose. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, that we just read at the Advent, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So the betrothal again, lasting as long as a year. Remember, uh, Joseph was in process of now preparing a residence for he and Mary during the betrothal at his father's home or nearby on the property. He's busy about making the home that they would share during this betrothal period. Mary would have been a teenager. We don't know an exact age, but very young, as, little, as, as young as 12, maybe as old as 15, but very young. Found with child of the Holy Spirit. When did Mary tell Joseph? We have no idea. I'm guessing immediately. In my study of this annually, I have to say, uh, I had my eyes opened at this particular year specifically because I gave thought to what kind of a period of time. Scripture doesn't tell us. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to guess that, that Mary would have told Joseph immediately. She was alone when she was approached by the angel. She was given this news, and she takes it to Joseph. But we, Scripture doesn't, doesn't tell us when that happened. But we can read uh, Scripture and, and come to some conclusions here as we continue. But this was a, this was a big deal. How Joseph received this, we have a little insight into too by the, the scriptures here in Matthew. He, uh, he was contemplating what to do, how to get out of this. In verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So stoning to death was the legal sentence for adultery this time during a betrothal period. This was serious business. She could be stoned to death. Joseph's virtue meant that he was also merciful. So he didn't, 
he did not mean to make Mary a public example. Well, that leads me to believe that only Joseph has heard this from Mary at this point. Probably immediately. But only he knows. He doesn't want to make a public example. If anybody else knew or if he'd told anybody about it, that's going to take the chance that it's going to be public shame. So it sounds to me like Joseph hasn't shared or told anybody about Mary being with child. Or her claim of the angelic visit. I'm sure she told him all of that too. But angels and visits weren't a, weren't a, uh, weren't a thing of common comedy. Joseph being a man of action and a fixer, like most men are, we want to just fix things. Mary brings him this situation about her angel visit and being pregnant, and he's going to try to fix it. We don't know how much time expired between Mary and Joseph's angelic encounters. Again, I'm assuming it was right away, but Scripture doesn't tell us. The phrase a just man translates in the Greek language, suggesting that Joseph was a true believer in God who had thereby been declared righteous and who carefully obeyed the law. To put her away, as the scripture said, would be to obtain the legal divorce. It wasn't to hide her anywhere, but he would, without, without announcing a reason, would simply end the betrothal, which according to Jewish custom was necessary in order to dissolve, to dissolve the betrothal. Basically a divorce. In verse 20, continues, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So again, very few angelic visitations noted in the New Testament, most of which that are mentioned are around the subject matter of the birth of Christ. Joseph had no doubt been praying for wisdom. I know I would. Lord, what do I do here? Right? I'm going to seek his wisdom. Well, he's going to get the wisdom from God right here. And verse 20 continues, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus translates Savior. Well, Joseph just got the wisdom he was undoubtedly asking God for. This was exactly what Mary had told him. He knows it's an angel of the Lord, just as Mary knew it was an angel of the Lord that visited her. Maybe it was Gabriel. Matthew doesn't let us know one way or another. Verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The prophet Matthew is quoting as Isaiah, chapter 7 and verse 14. Matthew points out fulfillments of Old Testament prophecies no less than a dozen times in his gospel. He quotes from the Old Testament more than 60 times. Theologians have sometimes disagreed whether the Hebrew term in Isaiah 7.14 means virgin or maiden. Matthew, writing in the Greek language, uses a word that translates virgin. So Matthew, writing under the Spirit's inspiration, ends all doubt about the meaning of the word. The virgin birth is essential here. This is what makes this a miracle. If there's no virgin birth, Jesus is just another man conceived in sin, 
maybe a prophet, but he's not the Messiah. So being born of a virgin is critical to fulfilling the prophecy. In verse 24, continues, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. So the takeaway here is that both Mary and Joseph are obedient to God. The angel, God's messengers, commanded Joseph, commanded him to take Mary as his wife. They don't question God through his angelic messengers because they are all in, in covenant with God. They're obedient. The marriage ceremony typically happened in the Jewish tradition following a year. We remember the parable of the ten virgins and their lamps and the wicks and half had oil and so forth and so on. At the prescribed time, Joseph would have paraded through the town to Mary and taken her back to a party that could have lasted a week. Scripture doesn't tell us about that party or about that parade, but it does tell us that immediately when Joseph awoke, he took action and he took Mary as his wife, which means traditionally that this happened. We have no idea scripturally who knows about these angelic visits beyond Mary and Joseph. Scripture doesn't say. I'd often thought, thinking about this, oh, wow, this must have been terrible. You know, they're not married, and she's not been with a man. She hasn't been with Joseph. She's been with somebody else. She's pregnant. She's got to answer all these questions. But the reality is, is I can't find that in Scripture anywhere. I can't find that, the, that God would put Mary through that situation. Scripture doesn't support it. The life, of, the life that Jesus led the miracles he performed, the words he spoke, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascent to heaven, all these point to the fact that he was not merely a man, but more than man. Jesus would go on to claim, I, am my I and my Father are one, John 10, 30. He who has sent me, he who has seen me has seen the Father, John 14, 9. And no one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. This is who we celebrate the birth of. This is what Christmas is all about. We celebrate the giving. God gave his son the most precious gift of all at Christmas time. You may hear commercially that, oh, the gift giving is terrible. If in the spirit of Jesus and in the spirit of giving, as God has, has demonstrated for us, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. As we, as we view Christmas from a historical perspective in our own lives, upbringing, family, it takes many twists and turns. There's good memories, there's maybe bad memories. But when we turn around and we focus on the birth of Christ as the gift of God to us for salvation, as the song indicates, Mary needed a savior. She knows she needs a savior. So does Joseph. It's a fascinating truth that we celebrate, yet so many that are outside of the church fail and miss this message. It's the message of eternal life. He came for a divine purpose. 
It was prophesied in the Old Testament how this would happen, how he would come, how he would be born. Every bit of it 100% validated throughout his life. Every bit of it. There's some studies that have been done referencing the percentages of what it would take for them to be in Bethlehem. God knew that they would call for a census, taxing, and that everyone had to return to their lineage, family, their city. He knew that they would be in Bethlehem. The scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures had said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And so he was. As the song said, Mary, did you know? Boy, there was a lot that Mary didn't know. But Mary and Joseph together, they were faithful. They believed God. They trusted God. They trusted God with everything. And that's what we're called to do as believers. As we celebrate Christmas this year and every year, recalling the past, looking forward to the future and living today in the present, it takes different areas in our lives. We're single. We're married. We have children. The children are grown. The children have moved. People that we love have passed. Our life changes every year with this. Yet we continue to come back and rejoice with the birth of Christ at this time of Christmas. He came so that we could all have a personal relationship with him. That's how we gain salvation. It's not coming to church here at the well and listening to words. It's not buying a Christmas tree. It's not putting lights up in the yard. It's having a relationship with him. That relationship is what separates us from the darkness of Satan and what we deserve and the light of Jesus in eternity with him. It's really simple. We don't just celebrate Christmas and therefore we're believers. We have to call on him. We have to ask him to come into our life as Lord and Savior that we would repent of our sins and that we would choose to follow him and begin a process of sanctification. That also looks different for everybody. But that's what's required. A commitment. Very much like the marriage commitment that we have in this world, that's the commitment that we are to have with Christ. As he calls us, if we're obedient, we follow his word. That's what this is all about. That's the Christmas message. That's what he wants. He wants a relationship. Our gift to him, we don't deserve what he does for us, but the gift to him is to follow him, to call him Lord, Lord of your life. He will come within you in the Holy Spirit. He will guide you. He will be, he will be that wisdom when you need it. He will be there through every trial and tribulation, every one. But we have to ask him in. It doesn't do any good if grandma went to church, mom and dad went to church, or if you went to church. Nothing special happens here other than you hear the truth of the word of God. That's what you hear here. That convicts us. We realize we need a savior. We call on him to save us. And we begin that walk. That's the Christmas message. That's why he came. All of these miracles that happened surrounded with his birth and 
what, how did they get to Bethlehem and there's no room in the inn and they're in the manger with the alpaca, everything else, <laughs> right? It's all truth. These were real people in real places that you can visit today doing what God's word is, which is real, being obedient to that. If you don't know Jesus tonight, what, there's no better time than today, no matter what day it is. But when it's Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the Christmas season, Jesus will change your life. He changed my life. I have a testimony. Everybody in this room, everybody joining us online, live streaming, that knows Jesus has a testimony to share. We're commanded by the Lord as believers to share that message, share that gospel message, which is simply what has Jesus done for you in your life? If you've never shared it with anyone, that's what we're called to do. Maybe you've shared it with many, maybe thousands, somewhere in between. Share your message. It's valuable. Don't ever think that you don't have a message that, that someone needs to hear for conviction. The Lord puts us in the path of those that need to hear his message, and your message counts. The Lord puts those that don't know him in our path as well so that we may be obedient and share what he's done in our lives with them. Sowing seed. We don't always get to see the harvest, but we do need to sow seed as we're commanded. But if you don't know Jesus, it is so simple to do. It's the white flag of surrender, of you leading your own life, being your own God, making and doing as you want rather than as God commands us. Surrendering to his will. That's the purpose for Christmas. That's the purpose for his coming. He's the perfect sacrificial lamb that died on the cross, was buried in a tomb, rose on the third day, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. It's true in my life. It's true in many of your lives. Many of you that are live streaming, you have a relationship with Jesus. If you don't, call on him now. It's not necessary to walk up front. It's not necessary to do anything regarding public at this point. We have a prayer email. Oh, I slipped that one in on Isaac. Hopefully he's got it back there. Prayer email. There it is. Right on. We encourage you, if you've made a decision for Jesus tonight, send us an email. This email only goes to the elders of the church. It's the only ones that see it. We would love to come alongside you, pray with you, answer questions that you may have. Prayer needs of any kind. For those in your life that don't know the Lord, if you want to lift them up, give us their names. Don't need any details. The Lord knows all about them. Utilize that asset. We love to pray for you and come alongside you in that way. The Christmas message. We could make a series out of this. Don't get any ideas, Richie. This could go on for all year. We could do the Christmas message in a series, right? It's so important. It's, it's wonderful that, that of, of this time of year, of this story, of this message, that we circle around annually and we get into this. I encourage you 
to search the scriptures yourself. Do some reading, some self-feeding on the subject matter. It's fascinating what God has done for us that we do not deserve. Unmerited favor, granting us grace. He loves us that much. Many of you tonight have young children, babies here with us. I love to hear them squeal and cry out and just lets us know that not only do we have babies here, there's young families here, families of all ages. We welcome you here. We have a terrific children's ministry here. We want to help, help you teach your kids about God and about Jesus. We thank you for partaking in our ministry. Most of all, we thank you for seeking the Lord and coming here to the well to hear the truth. It is a tremendous honor to be trusted to say the truth of God's word for all of you and all of you live streaming. Thank you and Merry Christmas. Thank you, Randy. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Randy and Lord, his, his love for you. Thank you for the privilege again to, to celebrate Christmas around the reality of, uh, of what you did, the reality of your love, the reality of your grace, the reality of the gift of salvation. And, and Father, before we take communion, uh, again, as Randy shared, uh, there is a gift that you offer this evening. And, and perhaps some here um, desire that gift of salvation. And uh, as Randy said, it's not necessarily coming forward. Um, but we want to give you an opportunity to just talk to God. He knows your story. He knows what brought you here tonight. He knows why you're listening at home. And maybe tonight through the word and through Randy's message, uh, the reality, the truth of God's love has spoken to your heart. And so maybe in the best way you know how, tonight you'll say, dear God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for loving me, even in my current state, as imperfect as I am, as much as I blow it, Thank you, God, for loving me like no one else could love me. And so, Father, in the best way I know how, even though I don't understand it all, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus tonight. I'm going to receive the gift of salvation. I believe Jesus Christ came to this planet to be the Savior of the world, my Savior. So, Father, in the best way I know, I'm just trusting that. 100%. I'm just trusting, leaning fully on the finished work of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and even tonight, his birth. Thank you, Father, for the gift of salvation. I just want to give you a moment now, just in the quiet of your heart, just to focus, and, and even if you are a believer, just in the quietness of your heart, to take a few moments and say, just give thanks to the Lord the many blessings in your life for Christmas, for family, whatever it is, just want to give you an opportunity now just to give thanks to God.
Father, there is so much to be thankful for. So thank you again for loving us first. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus. All God's people said, amen. Well, this evening we wanted to do something that uh, we do every Sunday here and and give you an opportunity to take communion. And communion is an incredible opportunity for uh, those who put their faith in Jesus to to remember. Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so we have communion cups up front here, and we're going to do this a little bit differently. Uh, If you want to come forward, you can come up and grab a cup, and then you can actually grab a candle as well and take it back to your seat, because after communion, we do our traditional candle lighting. So if you want to come forward, you can grab a communion cup, grab a candle. You can go back to your seats, and the way we do communion here is um, once you get the cup, there's two sides. Uh, One has bread and one has juice. I really encourage you to open the bread first, because... If you flip it, it kind of gets a little bit weird. So you get back to your seat, you open the bread, and then we give you an opportunity to take communion just privately. Just go back to your seat, have a time of prayer and reflection. You can open uh, the cup and, uh, and the bread and just take it on your own. Uh, if you would like to just stay in your seats, there's communion cups in the rows. That's great. Um, if you're visiting, you know, we, we want to recognize uh, the visitors and various church traditions. Uh, you know, this isn't like a high-pressure thing where everyone just comes up because everyone else is. No, this is just, you have the freedom here to be you. Um, if you don't want to come up, uh, Tyler and Kim, there's candles that we can get to you in your seats. So if you're not going to come up, uh, don't worry about that. We'll just put your hand up or they'll come around and give you a candle before we do that. But uh, we're going to sing a song. And if you want to come up, uh, feel free to do that. If you want to take communion in your rows, feel free to do that. Uh, but this is a cool song. It's called Here I Am to Worship. And it's a great Christmas song, actually.
when we spoke to the ladies at Teen Challenge, we spoke the word peace. And in the Old Testament, peace is shalom. And it's not just the absence of conflict and strife. Peace in the Bible means wholeness and completeness, things being the way they're supposed to be. And the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is when you have a relationship with the Prince of Peace, you can know peace. And we're going to sing a song called Silent Night, and it speaks of heavenly peace. And that's our prayer for you. Uh, what we're going to do is uh, when, we, when we start singing, uh, Tyler and the ushers are going to come down with lighters, and uh, they're going to light the uh, candles in the first person each row, and then you guys can light each other's candles off to the sides there. And um, we'll celebrate this kind of a tradition we do. Uh, Randy, if you can do me a favor, you can kill the lights in the comments for me, Randy. That would be great. Just do that. All right, so uh, why don't we stand together and let's sing Silent Night. Dawn of reason. 
this evening and that is our prayer that you would enjoy the peace of God through a relationship with the Prince of Peace um, as you leave you can blow out your candles there's some baskets in the lobby that uh, you can place those candles in and uh, God bless you have a Merry Christmas and uh, have a good evening